Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Hey everyone, welcome along to the show. I'm glad you could join me today because we get to speak with Sam Broughton, who's the mayor of the Selwyn District, and we learn all about his life and what it's like to be the mayor of one of the fastest growing districts in New Zealand. Because I live in Rolleston and all my kids go to preschools or primary schools in this area, and I'm even working from here as a lawyer many days of the week, which gets me involved in lots of different businesses, I found it really fascinating to hear his perspective on Selwyn and the growth in the last 10 years and what the future holds as well. Here's an excerpt from the interview with Sam. And so you just that sense that I don't have to put everything right, um, but I am responsible for my own life and, and trying to make good decisions that, that help others with the time that I've got here. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and the justice stuff will, will take care of itself in the end, but I want to be found on, on that side um, mm-hmm. Yeah, when I look back on my life and people say, you know, what did you do? Now, in next week's episode, we're going to be speaking with Franca Bulo, who is an environmental social scientist. And we have a fascinating conversation that ranges from the subjects of transnational sovereignty to climate change. In coming weeks, we're going to be having a lot of other guests as well, and these shows will come out every Tuesday morning. So if you hit subscribe, that's one way to make sure that you don't miss out. The other thing to mention is that this is one of a series of interviews, and there's more than 25 other episodes in the back catalogue so you might want to check some of those ones out as well. Now let's get into the interview with Sam. So I'm here with Sam Broughton, the mayor of Selwyn. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, good, Stephen. Thanks for having me. And it's a beautiful sunny day we're looking out. I kind of wish we could be outside in the sun. Yeah, lots of days are like that, although today any day that's sunny is a a better one than last week. So I've had so much rain this winter. never want to complain about rain, but it's nice to see the sun. Yeah, Yeah, it is indeed. Um, Sam, what we do on this podcast is talk a lot about the word purpose and try to get in a bit deeper with people about what the word purpose means to them, Mm -hmm. and particularly thinking about the roles that they're playing now. Um, But to do that, I like to build up sort of in the first part of the podcast a little bit of a biographical picture of a person and kind of where they're from, what's led them to what they're doing today. So do you mind just going back right to the beginning, um, wherever you want to (laughs) start, and tell us a little bit about your background and where you're from. Cool. Uh, I suppose everyone's got lots of different family strands um, back through time, uh, but growing up, the one that stuck with me and we sort of grew up knowing about, because we grew up on a, on a farm out near Darfield, uh, was the, the Broughton family, my father's uh, line, mm-hmm. and yeah, John Broughton came to New Zealand in 1850 on, a, on the Cressy, uh, arrived in at Littleton, and uh, he was involved in the Methodist Church in, in Christchurch, um, and his son, William, uh, bought the farm out near Darfield. It was split between his three uh, sons, and then his uh, so it was William, and then Keith, and then Alan, and then Tim, and then me and my uh, and my three brothers. And uh, so growing up, there was always this sense that the three brothers would would reunite the the three farms that were split between the three brothers. You know, a century ago, uh, I'm certainly not farming farming now. My my other two brothers are living that dream. Um, but you're growing up on a farm uh, in Darfield, just was a cool cool childhood to have and yeah. learning a lot about how how weather affects life and the patterns of life and death and you know the circle of life and you know things that are that are real that often we don't learn um, about or are faced with through a formal education but sort of you learn about them just through living them mm. um, on the farm so mm. you've got two younger brothers Judah mm. and Josh 
uh, and mum and dad, Tim and Sally. Awesome parents uh, and awesome brothers. Yeah, we, we get along really well now. Mm. Went to the local uh, primary school, uh, Homebush Primary. Uh, th- about 30 kids, the big class and the small small class. Uh, really loved it there. And uh, at the end of Standard 3, mum and dad asked us if we wanted to do homeschooling for, for a year. We uh, we all said, yes, let's let's give that a go. And I think actually mum and dad asked us if we wanted to go to go to Spain um, and travel and just do something really different. And the three of us boys were like, no, 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 we love we love it here, we'll just stay here. Looking back now, I'm not quite sure why we wouldn't have taken, <laughs> taken them up on that offer, but homeschooling right. was great. It was. Um, and is that a real memory, like the Spain thing? Is, have yeah, you talked I, with your parents? Like, yeah. Why, why, why Spain? <laughs> uh, I think they were just keen to look at something different, you know. Right. Um, you know, they weren't set on any particular path for us and mm. was... You know, an opportunity to, to travel and see a bit of the world and mm. I guess we had, had flexibility when we were all at primary school mm. uh, to be able to do that rather than you wait a bit longer and commitment to sports teams and mm. you know schooling and, and other things take priority. So. Yeah. Was that a dream for your parents do you think as well to go to Europe? Or? No I think it was just a good idea. Right yeah. <laughs> but it didn't come to anything it sounds <laughs> like. <laughs> No, oh, well. no, I never left the South Island until I was 18. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got to remember that for my kids, you know, let's, let's go over here and then they can say no, but oh, I gave you the chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just going back to something you said at the beginning, just yeah. that long family lineage of, you know, the, that you're, you've had generations on the same land. Mm. Is that something that, what, what shape did that take for you in terms of, you know, grandparents being nearby maybe or... Um, what was that like growing up with that, knowing that you had great, great, great whatevers yeah. who, who'd been there? Uh, it certainly gave me a sense of connection to the land mm. um, and still feel that now, uh, particularly to the land where the farm is, but um, in knowing that my ancestors had been on, on that same ground. And I suppose that's the same for anyone that's been in the same place for a while. Mm. Um, once you understand that you're not, the stuff's not yours, you know, you're a caretaker of mm. of the time that you've got on earth um, with the things that you've got and one day you'll pass them on to someone else and mm. hopefully do a good job with the time that, that you've got them for. Uh, and I guess the idea of Papa too and, you know, looking back and knowing who my family have been and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, appreciating what they've done. It's, and I, I'm the mayor at the moment and get to where there's mayoral chains right. uh, every now and again and uh, on there are the names of the previous mayors mm. and, yeah, I quite like when I put them on, which is not very often, but at council meetings, just recognising that there's a lot of good people that have gone before us that mm. open up the opportunities we have today and you yeah, were just the next part of the story now and mm. you know hopefully people will recognize the good work we do um that has opened up opportunities for them you know if it's 50 years 100 years from now um yeah we're putting into that mm. that's good that's a really long-term perspective isn't it you know mm. like thinking beyond your lifetime and and um and that because in my own history i think um i can trace back quite far as well, I love family history. Actually, <laughs> it's one of my passions. Like, if I if I didn't have to work, I'd probably be researching my great great grandfather or whatever. And yeah. and I've written quite a lot about them. But that that sense of place or identity that comes from knowing where you're from and mm. and who were the people that influenced you. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes you have to leave a space to really appreciate that as well. And I know for me that was the case. Mm. Um, once I left school, um, spent a year in England, and yeah, mm. just really missed home. Uh, loved the time that I had there, but yeah. man, it was so good to come home again and to see the mountains and yeah, the people and the, the fresh mm. air and the landscapes um, really mm. renewed my love for, for New Zealand, yeah. Mm. And so was that the first time you'd been overseas, the 18, you said you were 18 when you left South Island? Was yeah. That, was yeah. that to go to England? No, uh, I was actually in a barbershop um, competition uh, oh, okay. where we joined in my last year of school. Yep. We travelled to Wellington for nationals, oh. so it was the first time on a plane. And uh, yeah, then the next time was 
end of that year, went to England for the year. Right. And how did you decide to go to England? Was that a place that you'd wanted to go or just OE trip? Uh, it was probably just an opportunity that came up in my last year of school. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the staff said, this is, you know, on offer. Would you be interested? It was a gap year working um, in a school in Oxford. It was a boys' boarding school. Oh. And uh, I'm big on taking up opportunities. So if, if something's there, you know, you need to weigh up whether or not it's a priority for you to do. And there's lots of things in life you have to say no to, mm. um, especially if you want to be able to say yes to the right thing. Mm. Um, but taking on board as many things and opportunities was, especially at school, um, I love doing that. Mm. And um, so, yes, I went to England. It was a boys' boarding school uh, in Oxford and a completely different experience yeah. from anything I'd you know, known in New Zealand. And when you made that decision to go, how old would you have been, 17? 17. Or, yeah. So even at, at that age, you kind of had that sense of, I want to take the opportunity and run with it? Uh, in my re- memory, yes. Probably if you ask mum and dad, they might have some other <laughs> <laughs> some other comments on, on the decisions I was making. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I saw it as a good thing to do and an opportunity to chase and was successful through the application process and, mm. and did it, yeah. Yeah, okay. And what were some of the things that you learned in that, in that year away? Uh, that there's a lot of people in the world with very different experiences than my own. Mm-hmm. Um, the boys' boarding school was on, on 70 hectares, mm-hmm. um, had a had a golf course, uh, swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, this sort of was almost royalty. Most of the boys went on to, to Eton um, College. So, yeah, there was a lot of money um, in the school. And one of the, probably the flashiest place I've ever been was an experience when I was there. And it was in a marquee uh, for an 11-year-old's birthday. Uh, the parents had spent £12,000. And, uh, yeah, there were ice sculptures. And wow. it was just, the place was flash, really flash. And, uh, yeah, we were just involved. It was myself and three girls from New Zealand, a guy and three girls from Australia and a guy and a girl from South Africa. Mm. So we're all there together uh, for that one year. And they asked us to come and look after the kids at this birthday party. And we were playing, you know, there's a bucking bronco and, and laser tag and all these other sort of things. We were just having a good time. Yeah. Um, but to see the money that was around and available just wasn't something that I had seen here. And the, the boys were very generous with it. You'd see them give a thousand pounds, you know, there's eight, eight, nine, ten year olds, right. give a thousand pounds to a charity because it was a good thing to do. And um, so it was good to see that, mm. but it was also, I guess, I saw parents a little bit disengaged from their from their children, and I mean, everyone's got their own ways of parenting. Mm. But it was it was drop kids off at a at school, and the school does the the teaching work and, and the holidays. You know, they often ask us to to come and do the babysitting during the holidays, and mm. and weren't there for their kids as well. So and that wasn't my experience with my my own family. Right. So um, it's quite a contrast from what you known growing up totally yeah yeah and was it pure boarding school or was there day day kids who came in as well one or two day kids but almost everyone was was boarding school yeah yeah Yeah. i guess you asked before about grandparents being around and Mm. like my grandparents on my father's side lived just down the road Mm. and uh my mum's parents lived with us for a while and we lived with them for a while too so i'd always sort of had quite strong um, your family connections around and the cousins would always get together and mm. you know play games and put on concerts and all those sort of things so to go to a, a space where the kids were really by themselves apart mm. from the friends that they made it through their school it was quite quite different yeah oh interesting and just talk us through in terms of identity um, when you went there to England um, did you find you th- that your identity formed more through that experience or you realize that you're only accountable to yourself mm. and to your beliefs and yeah, there's no one that's going to... You don't have to answer to anyone. Mm. Um, and it, that'll be anyone's experience when they first move out of home. Um, and for me, it was in a different country. So, yeah, deciding what it was that I wanted to be as a as an adult mm. um, and probably doing some things that I look back and think, 
it was a bit silly, um, but that formed me yeah. um, to where I am now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's good. I, I think when my kids grow up, I think I'll encourage them to do something similar. Because for me, it was going to Japan mm-hmm. when I was twenty years old, mm-hmm. and it was being in Japan, being in a place where obviously I was very different. That actually forced me to work through. Well, what do I believe? What what's my own identity? And it actually was really critical. Looking back, I realized how important, how shaping it was. So, yeah. yeah, I didn't have any. Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do mm. post school, um, and so university was something that I probably thought I should do, but didn't have any particular path that I wanted to take. So having that year, mm. um, yeah, it was a good use of time. Yeah. Okay. And you got to travel in Europe as well, I guess. Or? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's another thing you realise. Europe's a small place, and um, yeah. you know, an hour on a plane, and you get to a lot of places. Yeah. Um, so experiencing those with the friends that I'd made, and um, again, multitude of different um, cultures. And I had family in Sweden, so I got to mm. to see them and spend a bit of time with them. My my uncle married a Swede, and I've got mm-hmm. three cousins. Yes, that was yeah, that was cool. Oh, that's great. And so, did you have a feeling like at the end of that year, it's time to go home, or did did you wish you could have stayed longer, or? What were you feeling at that time? Probably three months in, I wish I was home. Right. Um, the homesickness kicked yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and by the end of the year, I was ready to come home mm. um, and and definitely loved coming back. But uh, I appreciated that it was a good place to travel to mm. and to enjoy, but a little bit of, um, I guess, it, as we said before, it just it grew my sense of really wanting Really been a Kiwi, mm. um, loving this place and owning New Zealand a bit more and being proud of, of, of growing up here and living here and, and wanting to contribute here. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's great. So what happened next when you got back? Did you know what you were going to do? Did you, yeah. No, I found myself in limbo again. Right. Um, yeah, what do I do with my life? Oh, that's right, I'm supposed to go to university. <laughs> um, I had, there's a few like key sentences or sayings or verses that have sort of stuck with me mm. um, that I didn't, really recognised probably when I was 18, 19, but I can see now, uh, that were probably taught to me by my grandparents um, and my parents reinforced. And one is, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea that, um, I mean, I've born in New Zealand, so lucky. Um, and that's really what it is. You know, we don't choose our parents or the country of birth. Um, so a great head start. Um, I've got a brain that's capable um, and arms and, and legs that work. There's some responsibility on me to actually use my life um to do good things for others, not just to, to serve myself. Um, and the other is um, blessed is the peacemaker. Um, and not that I can enter and solve every problem, but I can certainly leave situations with no less conflict than, than when we started yeah, right. least trying to work towards resolution rather than rather than grow the antagonism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the sense of I have a brain, I should do something with it, that's where university um, sort of fell mm-hmm. and I started a, a commerce degree at, at Canterbury mm-hmm. and that didn't last particularly long got to about halfway through the year and um, I just wasn't passionate about it I guess it was something that I thought I should do rather than something that I really wanted to do right yeah um, had a friend Paul and um, we enjoyed playing pool we were having a championship first to 500 down at the Rickerton Club and um, that took priority over right. over university yep. and um, I was offered a part-time job um, back at my school uh, Middleton Grange and as sports coordinator, it was just part time, oh. and I loved it, um, and ended up being there full time, yep. and just that was, I guess, that was the difference between being somewhere that you really felt you should be, and and a good space where you contributed, and just doing something that mm. was good to do. Mm. Probably looking back, I wish I'd done, you know, finished a degree, um, but 
yeah, the experiences that I had the, through the school was super. But, but the sports co- coordinator role, that sounds like you had a passion for that and, yeah. and you really enjoyed that. Totally. Yeah, yeah I love sports. Because I think um, one of the, I mean, university is great. I learned a huge amount and all that. But I think one of the problems with our society is that people feel like they have to do it and they don't really, it doesn't necessarily help them in the sense of, if you're not sure why you're there, mm. then it may not be the best place for you. Totally. You know what I mean? Like I, when I went to Japan when I was 20, I think I learned more in that one year than I did in probably the five years that I spent studying mm-hmm. my degrees. You know, it was like, and um, and I think there is a bit of a, 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 a cultural thing of, well, this is the next step. You need to go there. And, and actually people get involved in studying before they're aware of who they really are. Yeah and what they should actually do. And for some people, university is absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for me at that time, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. So you were involved in sports coordination. So what yep. did that involve? Was that uh, It's kind of sports assistance type okay. stuff. A um, lot of uniforms, balls, lunchtime activities, okay. uh, draws, results, taking um, sports teams away on trips and, and tournaments. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And how long did you do that for? About five years. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, I was offered a role as youth pastor at uh, Darfield Baptist Church. And growing up in Darfield, I had, I'd enjoyed leaving um, as a kid. Mm. And not that I couldn't wait to leave, but it was, you know, I was looking forward to something else. Mm. And I was quite surprised that when I was offered the chance to come back, there was no other option. Like that was the right option. As soon mm. as it was sort of put in front of me, I thought, yeah, that's... That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so I went out there and was was youth pastor for, for 12 years at uh, Duffield Baptist Church. And wow. Yeah, met some really cool um, other adults who were involved in the in the leadership there and had really good support from the church. And yeah, we, we did a lot in the in the community with kids after school and mm-hmm. uh, we did camps and, you know, weekly events and got to know families and, mm-hmm. yeah. So that, um, I guess that, relationship with youth was the primary focus of that role and um and building into them as young people yeah yeah Yeah. Um, and mainly sort of 12 13 year olds through to the end of school so it was year form one through seven or year Mm. year seven um darfield high school starts year seven through year 13 Mm -hmm. um i was involved in 24 7 youth work there which is a partnership between a school a local school a local church Mm -hmm. uh, and within the context of its local community and um yeah just putting good young people um, which are often involved in churches inside um, the spaces where where kids are, which is inside schools, in a in a way that just looks to love um, love young people and try and champion things for them and and walk alongside them and yeah understand what their strengths are and yeah there's a bit of mentoring and mm-hmm. and those sort of things and the staff in the school were were really good at um, working with the youth workers. I wasn't the only youth worker there uh, and identifying kids who they thought. You know, would be most effective with. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's great! And what are some of the things that you learned from that experience as a youth worker? Um, I guess reflecting back now, um, what are some of the the things that maybe you didn't know at the beginning when you started that job, but you looking back, it's a uh, probably the idea. Of good things take time. Yeah, right. Um, it's keeping that sort of long term uh, perspective and and building things around relationships and that relationships are far better than rules I, I definitely didn't know that right at the very beginning mm. um that was like my uncle told me uh and i yeah just valuing people 
rather than whatever the the system mm. is that you're involved with. Mm. Um, so just to unpack that relationships are better than rules. Yeah, I like the, that phrase. <laughs> what does that mean to you, or what is what, how is it explained to you? Uh, don't let rules get in the way of, of people. Yeah, uh, and and treat people, treat everyone with respect, and and treat people as they as they are, mm. uh, and recognizing that. We're not all from the same background. You know, we don't all have the same common understanding when we arrive at a friendship or at an interface. Or um, and sometimes the rules about what should and shouldn't be be done or said, or um, yeah, they they can they don't always help um, friendships grow or relationships grow. Mm. Um, and and rules are good and they and they have their place, um, but they they should assist, not yeah, stand yeah. in the way. Yeah, so relationship trumps rules. Um, for me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. And um, in terms of that role, uh, are you still in contact with some of those people that you knew, like the young people, and yeah. watch them progress? And Yeah, I had a 21st the other week um, for yeah. one of the young guys. It was cool to go and see him and some of the other young people that were a part of part of stuff. Um, have, I'm a wedding celebrant as well, and so have married a couple of the kids that came through uh, youth group, so it's nice to be involved in in their lives post post mm. youth group and uh, people that I hadn't seen for you know four or five years get in touch and say hey would you mind being a wedding celebrant that's a real privilege um, oh good so, yeah. yeah well you might get calls after people listen to this podcast they'll be yeah, like yeah hey. I'm, uh, I'm back to only doing it for friends now this, this mural job's pretty big so yeah oh what you got other responsibilities <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good so um, we've talked quite a lot about your your life up up till that point, mm. um, can we talk a little bit about the council and and how you got involved? Because I think you were a councillor before becoming the mayor. We talked to, before we started recording. Yep. Um, what was it that uh, was it around this time when you're out working in Darfield that you started thinking maybe I should run for council? Or just talk us through what was going on there. Yeah, uh, so I'd been in Darfield seven years, I suppose, as youth pastor at that point, and I was talking with the guy Dwayne Major, don't know if you know mm-hmm. Dwayne, um, he sort of started and seeded 24-7 youth work, and uh, he was the guy behind Buying a Beach, um, which mm. New Zealand really got behind a couple of summers ago, yep. uh, he talked about becoming mayor, and uh, what it would mean to be involved in local local politics, and mm. as he was talking I thought, yeah, that's something I could do, uh, mm. and that I'm sort of passionate about seeing mm. done as well, so put my name in the hat for the, the local elections as a councillor for the Melvin Ward and, and so on, and uh, it was successful, uh, and did that for for three years, mm-hmm. and probably at, towards the end of that I thought, it was good, and I loved the role, yeah. um, and as a councillor you have a, an amount of influence, so it's, it's really about using influence for, mm-hmm. for good for me, that's kind of what's behind it, um, as a ratepayer you have a certain amount of influence as to who sits on the council and how you're your rates are spent um, and as a councillor you have another level of influence uh, and the Mayor has another level of influence again so sure. mm-hmm. uh, I knew pretty early on that I wanted to be to be the Mayor mm-hmm. and uh, tried that after three years and, and failed right. uh, it wasn't, wasn't the right time and uh, then three years later put my name in again and yeah, got some had some good friends uh, some help us out, and yeah, yeah, it was successful. Well, let's talk about that in a minute. I just want to back up a little bit. You know, you you were in council as a councillor for six years. Mm-hmm. When you came in, I'm guessing you were pretty young. Yeah, um, were you seen as the youth voice or something on the council? Or yeah, it's 29 um, mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, yeah, I think people kind of expected that I'd bring that uh, that youth voice to to council, and I got involved in setting up the youth council right. um, here for Selwyn. 
I, I feel sometimes too there's a, a sense where people expect because of your age you are the youth guy um, or because of your background you are you know the water person or you are the mm. the roading guy or whatever yeah, it's going to be. a farming guy. Yeah. 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 Um, whereas I think the experience I've seen around council table is actually there's value in involving everyone mm. in, in all of those spheres because we all grow when we share each other's experiences and, and input into them. And sometimes we can't all be there, you know, sometimes jobs are for one or two people. Um, but generally, actually, if you get a, a wide variety of views on stuff, you solve problems in a way that actually are more sustainable rather than mm. cause conflict, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's good. So you'd done the role for six years and you'd said you'd, you'd tried three years in mm-hmm. to become the mayor, hadn't been successful, mm-hmm. and then tried again. What was it that changed in the second campaign or... You know, we're, you, you said you had some friends come on board and, and help you. Um, what was it that had had shifted? Our community had changed. Um, so Selwyn has been you know, the fastest growing place in the country over the last 10 years, and um, that change has brought a, a whole lot of younger people um, into our district. Uh, but the change for me was probably more my heart was in it. You know, it's committed to, to seeing it through. And I was either going to be mayor mm. or I wasn't going to be on council. Right. Um, the way our local government system pays people doesn't allow good representation around council tables right across New Zealand. Sure. Um, and it tends to favour those who have got a lot of money behind them or a lot of free time on their hands. Mm. Um, and I'd done it for six years, but Liz and I went in a place where we were able to sustain that for, for too much longer. So it was either the mayor or, or I was going to find something else right. where I could... Yeah, continue to be involved locally, but yeah. not around the council table. Yeah, but you did feel passionate about it. That's the key thing, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And in a way, that kind of echoes to me of your decision to f- to not do the commerce degree and go and do the sports coordinator. You know, like you were doing one thing and then the real passion came in and, and you were able to be successful in that. Hmm. Um, so just talk us through that that. I guess that campaign briefly, but <laughs> how did it go and what were you pitching to people who were the voters? Elections aren't particularly pleasant mm-hmm. um, for anyone and even the, the central government stuff we've just gone through, yeah. yeah, I really feel for the people that have put their hands up because mm. uh, people put their hands up to do, to offer themselves to do good work for, for their region or their country mm. and often get bagged out for it. Um, and in the end, there's always only usually one winner as right. well. Yeah. So, yeah, the election was, that was a good experience. I got to meet a whole lot of cool people. Mm. Um, my pitch was around um, bringing someone together and recognising we had a really strong heritage, um, which is rural and agricultural, um, and we didn't want to lose that. We need to hold on to that strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got real big growing diversity, and there's a lot of new nationalities that are represented in someone now that, yep. that historically haven't been. Um, and that you know, for the future, we're a really young um, region as well. Mm. We've had so many new schools. Almost every, every year there's an, another school, you mm. know, opening. Yep. And um, so recognising that setting things up for the future um, was important too. So, yeah, talking around, around those things. But I just wanted to be me and people either liked me or they didn't like me. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that's what they saw in, in me and I'm, I'm here to represent, represent them. And I see the role... I don't know whether you want to talk about this now. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go um, ahead. I see the role. I don't have an agenda of things that I want to see happen. My my role is around holding doors open for people. Um, and for some reason, Sam Broughton, the mayor, is different than Sam Broughton was 12 months ago. 
and there's some really good people in our community who are up against doors that just won't open or budge for them, mm-hmm. and they want to see good things done for for their family or, or you know their town. And I can stand beside them, and we can get that door open together. Mm. Um, and then there's other people who have been doing good things for a long time, and the door's sort of slowly shutting on them. Mm. And um, again, I can stand beside them, and we're able to to keep that door open and, and those good things happening. So I, I guess that's where I my role isn't about the things that will happen. It's more about the way I want to see things done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And does that, does that echo back to something you said earlier about being a peacemaker and kind of wanting to help people along that journey as well? Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah. Mm, okay. So just thinking about your role now, what are some of the highlights for you of the things that you're involved in? Uh, the really cool people that you get to meet. Um, yeah, sort of exposed to lots of things that I wouldn't have been otherwise. Mm. Uh, it's really great. Uh, young and old, um, I've just finished or finishing uh, a visit through 30 schools um, around so on. Schools are like the, the place where kids make friendships, but, but adults and parents get together as well and, and get to know one another. Um, it's like a gathering point. And mm. so I've just managed to nearly managed to finish those visits and being able to meet the the principals and the staff in each of those schools each with their own flavor mm. but with a heart for for their community to to do good things for for a generation to come um mm. yeah i've really appreciated those mm. sort of visits and then just some of the things when people give you a call or you, you get an email about something that wouldn't have been on my radar um i enjoy now we just drove um did a little bit of a drive around some of the South Island, and mm. Liz caught me looking at um, a sewage treatment plant as, uh, <laughs> as, as we drove past. She's like, "What are you looking at?" And uh, those sort of things interest me now. You know right. how people deal with their waste, and um, yeah, where does their water supply come from, and, and all those things that I wouldn't be thinking about probably if I wasn't wasn't the mayor, or certainly if I wasn't on council. Yeah. Uh, now concern me the things that we do are for people, as for families, and a lot of people think that the job's boring. And you know, ask me why do you, why would you want to be involved in the council? It's so dry and. I mean, the, the agendas we have to read uh, can be. <laughs> they're, they're big documents. Yeah. Uh, but the, the reason why we have a, a water supply that we look after and, and maintain and the reason we build community centres and the reason why we have roads is all for people and families. Um, and so that's the connection for me. Changing from doing a youth work role into uh, being the mayor, I really feel it's still got that at its heart. It's, it's about the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that Selwyn's one of the fastest growing districts for the last 10 years, or yeah. the fastest growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that obviously had a, the, the earthquakes had a big impact. Um, just talk through what it's meant for this region in terms of people moving out here, yeah. and, and I guess what that's brought to Rolleston, Lincoln, Darfield, all these places. Yeah, um, so Rolleston was growing, or Selwyn was growing um, quite quickly before the earthquakes. And that had meant that there was pressure on us as a council to provide infrastructure ready for that continued growth. No one was expecting the earthquakes, um, and, yeah, they were a horrible time. But they have sort of sustained that growth um, through the last 10 years or seven years since the quakes. Um, That has meant that the planning and the infrastructure that we had in place um, was ready for for people to move here. Mm. And a lot of people that moved, like you say, yeah, a lot of them were from Christchurch, but the people that would still actually love, like we love our city, you know, Christchurch is our city, um, and they moved not not to run away from things, but actually to stay close and near mm. to the city. And there was an option here in Selwyn for them to move to. Mm. Uh, so I found that the people that live here have often continued to work in Christchurch. Mm. Uh, we've done a lot and had to do a lot around providing um, land, um, business and industrial land for for jobs to be set up here, so people don't have to commute as much. Mm. Um, but there's been there's certainly been a change and 
in the numbers of people, mm. but just the diversity in our communities, you know, much the better for for the different um, people that have that have come here. Yeah, mm. yeah well, I, I think, as you know, I live in Rolleston, so it's very much a, you know, my house is like 200 meters from here, pretty mm. much. <laughs> um, and one of the things that we've noticed is that there's so many new people who've come that there's no preconceptions in terms of, well, I've been here for 15 years or 20 yeah, years, and yeah. there, so there's not as many built-up relationships already in place, which sounds bad when I say it that way, but the positive thing is that people are really open and receptive to, oh, you need a hand, oh, I'll help you out. You know, there seems to be a real community feel that, that is growing, and obviously we wish that some of the trees were a bit taller, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does have that new growing community feel, but that's going to come. So um, what are some of the things that you're thinking through in terms of building community and, and some of the key ingredients? Well, the Ministry of Education has done a great job at sort of future-proofing Selwyn um, with its schools, and we talked before about how important they are. As a council, I think um, we'll focus a lot on events that, that pull people together uh, and creating spaces um, where they can as well. So that's your local parks that are in, in new subdivisions. Um, there's a Meet Your Street um, program that we've rolled out every summer um, where we'd rock up with a barbecue and, and coffees and, and invite anyone living in the, the couple of streets around to come and meet their neighbours, mm-hmm. um, which is just a, hopefully the start of something uh, for those neighbours. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we live next door to people for a long time and never talk to them, yeah. um, and, and so it's good just to, to refresh that. Mm-hmm. But then for people that have moved into a, a new street and they haven't met anyone yet, that's a chance for that to happen too. Yeah, it's a good uh, idea. And then there's the big community-wide um, events, which I, I hope help people um, feel like there's a sense of um, togetherness in a place and the Royalist Fireworks not, Council doesn't run that um, and actually all of the events that happen and so on, all those big sort of events are run mm. A&P associations for the shows or the Royalist Reserve Committee runs the, the fireworks again it's mm. just it's good people at a ground level doing you know the roots of the work which is um, I think yeah. one of the things that's it's been a success in the past and it's now been able to make those things sustainable because as we've grown, the size of things has grown as well and, and puts a lot of pressure on volunteers. Yeah. Well, that's actually a sign that it's sustainable is that the council isn't the one that's running it, isn't it? Yeah. You know that there's other people who are organising it. Yeah, and if yeah. we can not... Um, well, if we can continue to support them in running yeah. it, I think that's, that's far better than us yeah. taking it over. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. And so once a week I go to something called the Selwyn Business Group, mm-hmm. um, which meets on a Wednesday morning, um, and we basically share about what we're doing, what we're involved in. I'm just keen because I think some people who are listening who live here in Selwyn will be involved in business. What's your view or, or how are you helping businesses to grow out here? As a council, we really want to be business-facing mm-hmm. um, and, and enable people that have got good ideas to, to set things up and and that's about having the right zoning and the right amount of land zoned for people to, to build um, spaces. Mm. Um, but it's also, I mean, council owns a lot of land itself and having a, a strategic plan for what we want to do with that so that businesses can locate here. Um, if their first option is Rolleston, why would we not have it available mm. um, for them? Or, or Lincoln or Darfield or Leaston or wherever their home is. Um, people usually want to set up their business mm. there. Um, and so we're going through an area plan. Um, we've done our area plans. We're going through... Uh, the district plan review at the moment, which is a long, long process, but yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Uh, and that's about reviewing those sort of things. Are the rules right. that the community expects um, for Selwyn mm. set in 2005, are they still all relevant? Yeah. And some of them will be, but lots of them need to change because yeah. we've changed. Well, the interesting word that I've heard a lot recently is disruption. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, the way that you traditionally did your job 
isn't necessarily the way it's going to be in the future. Mm. And I think one of the opportunities for uh, places like this might be to appeal to people who right now, maybe they live in New York or Los Angeles or London or wherever it is. Actually, you could probably do whatever you're doing there right here. You know, you could be based here. Yeah. And there's skiing one hour away. And they should come here and do that. And yeah, yeah exactly. I like what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you can take that idea for free. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, to, to think through long term, we're moving into a world that is no longer bound by physical limits the mm. way it has been. You know, you, you can be on a Skype call with somebody and they can be across the world. And yep. it's, it's not, you know, that's just going to, for the next generations, that's just going to be normal. Yeah. So um, it would be interesting to think through that in terms of how do you appeal to people to say, hey, come here. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. There's a couple of um, couple other things going on. The New Zealand-China mural forum is happening at the end of this year. Right. Sort of a biannual get together um, and there's I think I saw a Facebook post about that yeah. in a video right yeah there's, yeah there's opportunities for local businesses who are looking for either a, a deeper connection or a new connection with China to come to Wellington mm-hmm. um, present their products on on tables that are there it's all free um, and you know look at whether there's a market there for whatever they're up to yeah. and also I'm trying to um, I'm talking to primary schools at the moment around $10, $10 for 10 year olds and just saying if I can seed them 10 bucks um, how could they grow that over a couple of weeks um, and mm. whatever profit they make <coughs> I'll match up to 100 bucks um, to give mm. to a local charity mm. um, so yeah I think there's kids with really cool ideas as well and helping sort of see them realise that their ideas can turn into some sort of reality is a good thing too yeah oh that's great now we've talked a lot about your history we've talked about what you're doing now mm-hmm. and I just want to circle back to that word purpose and sort of talk us through what that word means to you uh, for me it's around seeing that there's more to life than just the physical things that are around us. Um, yeah, I think that there's, there's spiritual connections um, that are that are real in this world and sometimes we acknowledge them and, and sometimes we don't. And um, yeah, I've got a, a deep sense of there's an arc. I can't remember the quote quite right, but I think it was C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, that the arc of the universe is broad and long and grand or he's got some great words, um, but it's bend us towards justice. Um, and so you yeah, just that sense that I don't have to put everything right, um, but I am responsible for my own life and, and trying to make good decisions that, that help others with the time that I've got here. Um, and, mm. and, and the justice stuff will, will take care of itself in the end, but I want to be found on, on that side. Um, mm. Yeah, when I look back on my life and people say, you know, what did you do? Mm. Um, that's great. I, I love that idea of that we are each accountable for the time that we've been given. And I think um, some of the other interviews that I've had, there was one with Netta Egos where she said something like, um, just because you can't change everything doesn't mean you should do nothing. Yeah. You know, that, that idea that we each have a responsibility to use the time that we've been given. And, you know, for me, that's trying to do a podcast yeah. for a while, you know, as well as other things. So, um, yeah, it's really good messages. So, yeah, thanks yeah. for sharing that. I think too, you, you focus a lot on on the role a little. You know, like we have talked about that, mm-hmm. but that, that sense of what we do with our time, I think, is just as important when we're relaxing. You know, reading a book, going for a walk, playing sport, um, spending time with our families. Like th- those things are all part of life too, and and so setting good rhythms that allow you to yeah have some full on times, but also you know provide spaces for you to relax and and refresh mm-hmm. uh, are so important. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Because I think in your role, it's a very public role, mm. and you get to meet a lot of people. Um, what what do you find when you're talking with people and, and trying to encourage them? Are there any messages that you're trying to get across? 
I think um, it's probably dealing with young people too, recognising that everyone's got some pretty unique talents and gifts and trying to find ways in which they can identify themselves, how they might be used, or pointing them towards someone who might be able to help them on that journey. Mm. Um, and that's that will be true of adults too, but my history has been with with teenagers uh, trying to identify that. So, yeah, I hope that those sort of things continue mm. um, through my role now. Mm. And um, I noticed the ponama that you're wearing mm. right now. I think I was there at that dinner when you were given it. Yeah. Um, I just wonder if you could talk about, because um, I think Dwayne, had, Dwayne Major had mm. played a role in your life and clearly had an influence on you in terms of thinking about council and, you know, eventually maybe becoming mayor. Yeah. Can you just share a little bit about um, some mentors or some people who've had a role in your life and, and, and what it was that has been impactful for your journey? Having good people around you is so important. Uh, and sometimes you get to choose who those people are, and so it's important to choose those people well. And other times you just have people around you because they're around. Um, so I've been fortunate to have had some really cool teachers. Um, Mr Park, when I was at Homebush Primary, Mr Masterton uh, at Middleton, and a number of other teachers there. Uh, I had a man who used to drive me in and out of um, Christchurch to, to school. Um, he just, I don't remember anything he said to me, but I do remember he listened. Right. Um, and yeah, I want to be able to reflect that for, for people that I meet now, just be, be a really good listener. Dwayne is, is one of those people, as you've said. And I think probably the, the two people that are hard to identify exactly what they did because they've been so involved are in, in my parents. Um, yeah, the opportunities they gave me uh, growing up and the encouragement that I received to to chase dreams um, and that it's okay to be to be a bit different and it's okay to be yourself. Um, yeah, those messages have stuck with me. Mm. Uh, Sam, it's been great to chat with you. I've really enjoyed it. It's just, I just enjoy getting a bit deeper with people and, you know, hearing about your childhood, going to a small school and then making a decision to go overseas, having a year away, how that formed your identity when you came back to then be involved in youth, mm. which then led to a council role, which has led to the mayor role. And it just feels like what you're involved in now is a way that you are, it seems to be ticking the boxes of using what you've been given. Mm. And I really liked some of the phrases that you said, you know, about um, if you've been given things and you need to, you have a responsibility to use them as well. Mm. I just want to say thanks for your time and um, really appreciate the, the, you know, the chat that we've had and um, yeah, keep up the great work and so on. And um, I'll be around the corner watching. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, and, thanks, uh, so yeah, thanks very much for your time and appreciate your coming on the podcast. Cool, thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sam. I found it fascinating to learn more about his life and what led him to become the mayor of Selwyn. And also some of those thoughts for the future and involvement of community. I think it's really relevant because I myself am living in the Selwyn district. I've got young kids who go to school here and I'm working as a lawyer several days of the week. And I found it really helpful to be able to grasp some of his vision for the future. Now, in next week's episode, we're going to be speaking with Franca Bulo, who's an environmental social scientist. And we have an amazing conversation that covers a vast range of topics, from poetry to transnational sovereignty. Here's an excerpt from the interview with Franca. We just basically thought if we give people a safe space where they can have conversations with mm -hmm. a number of people from mm -hmm. different fields, this is a great way of innovating, you I know, see. hackathons, all kinds of occasions where you can come together and talk, mm. um, bounce off ideas. Yep. 
without an end point. That's something that I find very, very important. I'm not going to tell you this is where you need to get to, but I'm mm. giving you the flexibility to move there yeah. or to move someplace entirely different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So creating platforms and opportunities for that to happen yep. rather than silos yep. of, because oh, let's yeah. face it, we, silos, you know, yeah. if you end up with a bunch of scientists who all talk the same oh, God. and use the same acronyms and they've talked to each other for probably, years yeah <laughs> known each other for all it's these probably years. not going to have that much innovation right yeah. whereas if you can yeah. get a bit of cross-fertilization absolutely and, yeah. and i mean it does feel safe and we all know this if you talk to the people you know you feel safe yeah you have your circle of friends your network yeah but that might not be the inspiring conversation that yes gets you through the next couple of years and inspires you to do something that you haven't done before, yeah, which yeah. makes you feel alive much yeah. more than just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, I do hope you can join me for that upcoming episode. Don't forget, there's lots in the back catalog, and if you hit subscribe, you'll be sure not to miss out on upcoming episodes. Also, if you've enjoyed the content today, then I'm looking to spread the word about this podcast, so I'd appreciate it if you could tell a friend and maybe leave a rating or review in the podcast app that you're using to listen to this show. Until next time.